the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times business podcast. This is Wednesday, February 10th. I'm Kieran Hancock. And on this week's show, we'll be looking at the carnage on global stock markets. This comes amid concerns about global economic growth and its knock-on impact for a range of sectors, notably banks who are hammered on Monday and Tuesday. Before I introduce our esteemed panellists, don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes where it will be delivered to your device each week for free. Joining me in studio this week is Nola Halloran, Chief Investment Officer with Climeworth Benson Investors in Dublin and Joe Gill who is an executive with Good Body Stockbrokers. Joe, we might start with you. Um, it, it truly was an awful day for banks in particular on Monday and Tuesday. We saw Bank of Ireland down 10%, uh, permanent TSB down 9-point-odd percent. We saw Kingspan, CRH, Ryanair. They were all routed. What, what, what's happening? I think it was uh, a follow-on from Friday when we saw a big sell-off in the uh, US markets. And, and of course, LinkedIn um, was down 40%, yeah, wasn't it? On, LinkedIn on fell 40%. So there was concerns around a number of uh, issues. I think growth stocks, uh, any of them that are showing signs of conservative outlooks are being punished very hard. You've, you've got to look at this uh, market move in, in the context of what's been happening over the past number of years because equity markets don't move in straight lines. And we've had a fairly significant bull run since uh, pretty much 2009. If you look at the Irish stock market alone, it's up almost 100% uh, since then, and that includes the sell-off we've had since the 1st of January this year. So there's a certain amount of uh, adjustment taking place, um, and I think also that the uh, earnings multiples the stock exchange uh, and stock market have been trading on uh, have expanded over the last number of years, possibly related to the QE effects around the world. And there's some unwinding of those multiples going on, as well as the fact that uh, there's more caution about the outlook for the global economy. So you get um, concerns about earnings forecasts, you get uh, a reduction in the multiples investors will pay for those earnings, and that compounds the effects in the market. But the velocity of it is what surprised everybody over the past uh, number of days. Yeah. And the central banks are playing a role in this too, in, in terms of concerns, aren't they? In terms of the actions they're taking. Well, I mean, they've been at the core of everything that's gone on financial markets over the last uh, number of years, and some would argue that the the shift by the Fed from being on a full uh, quantitative easing stance to being a little tighter in terms of interest rates has changed the dynamic and the view of investors worldwide about how to price risk. And that has had a a consequent effect on the way equity markets have behaved. But um, you can see over the last uh, couple of weeks particularly that central banks in Europe and Japan and the UK in particular have uh, reiterated the fact that they're in a very uh, uh, easing uh, mode and uh, that's been uh, an effort to try and stabilise markets and it's it's only worked to a mixed degree. Right. Noel, what's the Climate Benson view on the route of the first couple of days of this week? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, you start out in these situations debating fundamentals, and I think Joe's touched on a number of the fundamental issues in terms of the PE multiples on markets, the fact that will earnings grow this year or not? Will Can the markets continue to lift off, as they've been doing for the last six years, when central banks, particularly the US Fed, are now beginning to tighten? So they're the kind of fundamental questions allied to, to lots of concerns about China through January. And then there was a tipping point, I think, and the tipping point really occurred last Friday and into Monday this week when it turned to fear and it turned to fear from a financial perspective. So the the first half was fundamentals, but on Monday it turned into 
you know, investors reflecting back to 2008 saying, you know, in 2008, there was a, a big financial issue with banks in particular. And, you know, is my money safe? Is Deutsche Bank, which was one of the big uh, issues yesterday, does it... Deutsche Bank liquid? Is it solvent? Um, uh, and these kind of fears build upon themselves. So you go from some some sort of a, into, a, into a panic situation from that perspective. And that's where your your central banks or your comments from a German finance, finance minister comes to the fore. The authorities then start to come in to put a floor under this panic. And I think to an extent that's what we saw yesterday and this today. Wolfgang Schäuble yeah. saying no concerns about Deutsche Bank. Yeah, and then, then the more cynical uh, market investors will say, well, it's, a, it's akin to the, uh, the chairman of the football club giving confidence in the manager but but ultimately I think we have seen comments from Deutsche Bank themselves to say you know they will even look to buy back some of their debt so that's that's caused a nice bounce today in the markets uh, whether that's sustained or not will uh, only time will yeah, tell. Yeah the chief executive of Deutsche Bank said they were rock solid but we heard that kind of language used in 2008 didn't we by a lot of the big banks that subsequently failed? We did but I think that's where maybe the, you know from my from the Kleinert Benson perspective I think that's where the markets in a fear situation are probably overdoing it right now because if you look at the fundamentals today of banks in particular compared to 2008 I mean, the excesses aren't there today the balance sheets have spent you know you've spent seven years now repairing bank balance sheets just looking at uh, this morning you know there's 800 billion euros of capital being pumped into the balance sheets of, of the European bank sector including the Irish banks where there's about 70 billion pumped in so I think the fa- you know from a solvency point of view they're much they're a much different animal today than they were seven or eight years ago but yet the investors have a have a pretty mindset just you know 2008 is, is live in people's memories. Yeah. Joe, is there something fundamental with Deutsche Bank that we need to be worried about? I, I don't think so, because if you look at uh, what's happened over the past number of weeks, it's large banks all over the world have suffered in terms of share prices. So uh, Deutsche Bank was down as much as 40% at one stage, I think, on, on Monday, year to date. But the likes of UBS, Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse trading at a 25-year low. UBS, Italian banks are really in the focus as well. Italian banks, UBS down 25%. But in America, uh, Bank of America is down uh, 25% year to date. So it's a general financial markets issue, uh, a banking banking sector issue. Um, it is, as uh, Nola said, a certain amount of fear um, feeding into it, uh, worries, is there some black hole that we're not aware of? There's been concerns that the whole collapse in the commodity uh, markets um, is causing some stress because the banking system would be exposed to certain commodity markets around the world. And that's all fed into this uh, sentiment piece. Um, and And hopefully... We're starting to see some stability around that. But one of the things that's concerning is the um, the extent of price changes on an intraday basis. Uh, so we're seeing share prices move up and down 5 to 10% a day. And that's the bit that disturbs me in terms of affecting confidence. Because if you're a company looking to raise uh, primary capital, that concerns you because you're not sure what you can price your shares at. And if you're an investor... You're equally uh, cautious because you're not sure whether you're supposed to step into the market or not. So one of the great, uh, I think, enemies of economic progress is intense volatility in financial assets. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. No, there didn't seem to be any safe havens on Monday. I mean, over 90 of the FTSE 100, for example, uh, were down. If you look at the Irish market, pretty much every stock was down. I think there were, there were one or two uh, IEX outliers, but yeah. pretty much every stock was down. Typically, you know, you might have some defensive stocks out there where capital might float, but that didn't seem to be happening this week. Yeah, I mean, Ireland doesn't have as many of the classic uh, defensive sectors at this point in time. So utilities, which we don't have in the Irish market, utilities did well on Monday. Telecom stocks across Europe are actually performing well. 
well, uh, and the same in the US. So in some of the more defensive sectors and, and foods, I mean, Ireland does have a number of world-class uh, food companies, and they've held up in a relative sense, but you still haven't made money on them, um, clearly. Yeah. Um, but you are seeing that classic rotation into more defensive uh, sectors. Just explain to us a little bit about Climate Benson. What, what kind of activity um, do you undertake here in, in Dublin? What do you do in your role as Chief Investment Officer? I suppose I'm the ultimate steward for, for our clients' assets. So today we have about €8 billion Euros worth of, of money for clients worldwide. Um, we run predominantly global equity strategies, so we're, we're right in the, in the heart of this battle on a daily basis. Um, Many of our so these are people based all around the world, not all just around in the world. Yeah, so we have clients extending from Australia right through to to uh, North North America, with our most northern client on the planet being in the Shetland Islands. So we we've quite an extensive client, client array from that perspective. The bulk of those clients uh, we would have in more defensive type equity. So um, in some ways, this suits us extremely well. We were as a firm quite uncomfortable with the markets through the last uh, half of last year where we saw lots of froth in, in some of the more growthier sectors that Joe was alluding to earlier on. We just felt the a number of those sectors in particular, some of the high tech sectors, some of the biotech sectors were going to valuation levels akin to the TMT era of 2002. So so a healthy correction I think is, is something that's positive mm. for markets. We are benefiting from that in the short term and I think it's, it's what you naturally get at the end of six years of a bull market. You're going to get some greed in some sectors uh, and the other side of greed has always been fear and you're probably now in a pretty short space of time getting into the fear stage so as investors it's for us my, my role is very much to to keep the team and the process uh, steady through this process and to continue to uh, to reassure clients that you know the world isn't mm. going into another big crisis such as 2008. So what was the key concern on Monday and Tuesday when markets were in free fall? I think the, the key concern, from my perspective, is the financial risk one. It's that sort of fear of the unknown. I think no, but the, uh, your client concerns. I mean, when our they client were on the phone concerns to is clearly is this another two thousand and eight? Um, because I think that's um, you know, are you going to wipe another forty or fifty percent off the value of equities? I think the twenty percent fall is is not abnormal. I mean, a number of global equities are only back at the levels they were last August. So if you look at the World Equity Index, um, we had similar headlines back then. Probably a bit more scary today than they were back then. But the actually index level is only where it was back then. So it was to reassure clients that we were not going back uh, into a continued free fall to being down 50% again, which is, you know, it's the old adage, if you fall 50%, you've got to go back up 100% to get back to where you started. So it's, that's the reassurance to clients. Right. Joe, were the phones and good buddy stockbrokers hopping on Monday and Tuesday with uh, concerned clients wondering what they should do with their money? Well, we were busy uh, on both the institutional and the wealth management side. So one side deals with retail investors and one side deals with institutional investors, uh, most of whom these days are based in either London or New York or uh, continental Europe. And um, there were similar issues that Noel has just discussed being debated. Uh, and that was generating people who thought it was time to step in and buy stock and others who said, no, I want to park uh, my money to one side and not be involved in equities. <coughs> and um, they were selling. So... It does come back to fundamentals in terms of looking at equities as an asset class because they are one of the most riskiest, riskiest assets you can buy in terms of volatility. But over the long term, they tend to generate uh, significant returns in real terms. Uh, I mean, one of the notable issues to me over the last three or four years is that equity markets have marched up and up and up. The dividend yield available on equities has gone down and down and down. Now, uh, I can see why that's happening because of QE and the fact that there's cheap money available around the world. But if I'm at a very personal level trying to generate a pension fund uh, to fund my retirement, 
I need to think about what sort of a yield mm. of that fund do I can I get uh, in order to generate the returns I, I need. And um, I think when you get yields down at one percent or two percent, it's it's making the risk reward balance wrong. Whereas today, um, after what's happened since the first of January, some of these large uh, global companies with very strong mm. balance sheets um, paying dividends that seem to be very well covered by profits. Um, companies like Microsoft, Exxon, Mobile, Vodafone, now suddenly we're seeing their dividend yields march back up to 4, 5, 6%. And in terms of real return, uh, in terms of putting your money into stocks that you know are going to fund retirement, that's a very interesting place to be. So mm. some of this uh, movement in the market um, has to be looked through uh, and examined very closely to see if there's opportunities in it. No, the whole retirement issue is very interesting, isn't it? Because uh, a lot of people, when they hear about a stock market crash, they say, well, what do I care? It has no impact on my life. I don't have any shares. But in fact, all of our pensions are invested uh, in shares. So anybody who has a pension should be worried about this. Absolutely, and and particularly those that are coming closer to retirement. Um, I suppose for those, I mean, the irony of the situation to me um, is for, for, for savers and for investors, with the world becoming more and more volatile as it increasingly is, that your time horizon for your pensions and for your investments has actually got longer. So the irony to me in the bank situation at the moment is for seven years, uh, regulators have been regulating banks to, to have more capital on their balance sheets. They've been regulating the, the likes of the investment banks not to deploy much capital towards market making or, or providing liquidity to markets. So I, I think what's been happening this week, a large element of that has been because the UBSs and the Credit Suisses and the Deutsche Banks of this world just don't have as much capital for their traders to buy those shares when they're, when they're being sold. At the other side of that, uh, we are all long-term investors, but there's, a, there's a, an, an incredibly large community of short-term traders out there as those who watch the, um, uh, the, the, um, the, what's the movie? Uh, big Short. Big Short, thank you. Uh, Even Joe Higgins like the Big Short. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, so if you watch the Big Short, there's a community of people out there doing that and they're able to do the same things in terms of shorting stocks as they did in 2008. So right now, the Deutsche Bank situation, a lot of that could just be hedge funds shorting the stock and at the other side buying what's called credit default swaps and making lots of money along the way. There's no protection against that. And yet the, the banks... So we haven't learned any lessons from that. I past. think that the regulation itself has become unbalanced and it's become unbalanced to, to, against savers, uh, to your question. So I think protecting longer-term investors is more difficult uh, where there's more short-term money that can that can undermine that investment. So I think that's something that needs to be looked at. And there's a need, there's a greater need for it now than ever because if you look at back at our, say, our parents, typically they had defined benefit pension schemes. You didn't think about pensions when you're going through your career because you knew you'd get two-thirds of your final salary for the rest of your life. Today, most of us uh, are all on being pushed onto defined contribution schemes where you have to put your own money to work, you have to oversee it and manage it, and it has to become more and more relevant what's happening in equity and bond markets, and you need to understand what's going on in those markets. And I saw a calculation recently that the assets under management um, will grow on average by 12% a year over the next 30 years in uh, assets that have to be actively managed. So, you know, that shows you that increasingly people are going to have to look after their own money and particularly uh, construct a portfolio to save for their pensions. Okay, we're going to take a short break now, but stay with us because after the break, we're going to be considering what all of this stock market volatility means for a potential AIB IPO later this year. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. 
Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life, September 2014. You're welcome back. I'm joined in studio by Noel O'Halloran at Kleinworth Benson Investors and Joe Gill, who's the Director of Corporate Broking at Good Buddy Stockbrokers, to discuss the meltdown in stock markets this week. And uh, Noel, this is a very relevant impact uh, for Ireland because there's talk of a, an IPO, uh, certainly a, a huge expectation of an IPO of AIB this year of 25% of the stock. Uh, the outgoing government have said they'll press the button on that if they get back into power. Uh, and this volatility is obviously very unhelpful as a backdrop for that. So uh, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think we're going to see, uh, we're going to have to see much less volatility in the market before the government can, can come through with that, no matter who the government is. So um, in the current environment, it would be extremely difficult um, unless the government is prepared to to sell AIB at an extremely, you know, rock bottom price. So, and assuming that they're not going to do that in the interests of, of the uh, the Irish uh, public, I think they're going to have to wait. Uh, the expectations are for the autumn or the autumn of the year anyway. And I think as as the markets calm down, my expectation would be that in a rational way, fundamentals of the global economy and global earnings should should have calmed things by the autumn. In which case, the the government would be in a better position to do that. But um, against that, it's not just AIB. There's many banks that are looking to be floated or refloated around the world. I mean, the government also, let's not forget, they still own uh, the, the greatest majority of PTSB. They still own 15% of Bank of Ireland. And that's just Ireland. There's plenty of countries with lots of bank paper to sell out there, which, which will weigh on, on banks generally, I think, for some time. Yeah, Joe, I know you're uh, good buddy as a corporate broker to uh, AIB, a company broker to AIB, so you're a little bit constrained in terms of what you can say on, on this. But Clydesdale got away uh, recently, but on a very low valuation. Mm. Um, so what does that tell us about the potential appetite for an AIB IPO? It's a similar similar style organisation, uh, 25% was, was, was placed on the market course run by David Duffy, who ran yep. AIB. Well, I think it's um, market conditions are very difficult for particularly bank stocks right now. And uh, this month would not be a good time to try and put any bank on the market, including mm. Clydesdale, which went out at about 0.6 times book value, mm. I think. Um, if you look back to this time last year, we brought Apple Green, the four-court retailer, to the market in an IPO around June time and kicked off the process around now. And the mood was totally different in that investor sentiment was very positive. Um, investors uh, had excess uh, surplus cash to invest into the market. They were looking for opportunities. And then from a vendor point of view, the company itself was comfortable with the valuations that the market was offering for assets like theirs. Um, today, you look at the investor community, they're kind of... Uh, much more cautious because of what's happened over the past two months particularly. And then on the banking sector, um, we're seeing valuations across Europe and across the US that are typically below book value. So in that environment, it's very difficult to get an appropriate price for an asset like AIB. Um, having said that, markets can change. So we're in the first quarter. It's very difficult. There's going to be four quarters to the year. And if sentiment turns around and changes and improves, then the environment may be much better for AIB yeah. in the second half of the year. But if you come back to fundamentals, what is it we want with AIB? Um, 
uh, because don't forget Irish taxpayers only will be at this stage. So as a shareholder, what do you want from that business? You want it to rehabilitate its finances to become more profitable because by doing that, it can lend more money into the economy and support investment and employment growth. And so it is pretty much pure play in the Irish economy at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, from an investor point of view, it is. And there's been plenty of investor interest in the AIB story over the last two years because of the fact that it is effectively a leveraged exposure to the Irish economy. But from a domestic point of view, um, it is critical that AIB continues to rebuild its financial strength itself. Uh, it's doing that by curbing costs and gradually re- improving its book. Um, uh, I think as part of their planning over the next number of years, they may want to raise more equity capital to continue to expand and invest their loan book. And then the Irish taxpayer on the other side uh, would want to get some return for the heavy investments they've put into the business over the last billion. number of years. Yeah, so, so those features play into whether an IPO is appropriate or not. Um, If market conditions are right, if the valuation is acceptable to the Irish government, then you would have thought that is a a likely route. So what is an acceptable acceptable valuation in in your view, No. Well, I think it it depends on what you're looking for as an investor. I mean, from from a client with Benson investor's point of view, I mean, dividends is important to us. So so the the disadvantage to an AIB coming to the market of of the... uh, uh, out of the bat is it's not going to be paying a dividend. So we would like to see a, a path to a dividend because um, I think in the world we're in at the moment, you know, in a slower growth world, if you're looking for returns of, you know, 6 to 10% a year, if you can get 50% of that through a dividend, that's a nice start. So I think that's a headwind from our perspective to, to an AIB or indeed any bank. Uh, Do we know when, when, when they will start paying a dividend? No, well, we know in the case of Bank of Ireland, the expectation is that for the first time Bank of Ireland will pay a dividend in 2016. Uh, and, um, for 2016, it won't actually get paid in 2017. Uh, well, they may declare an interim dividend through that, and that's okay. just a speculation of the expectation in that case. So, so I think it'll probably be behind that. Um, so the, the the company in their roadshow will obviously have to give guidance mm. to, to that, and I think investors such as ourselves will be looking to see that. In the absence of that, uh, it will be down to valuation. It'll be down to what return on equity can the bank achieve with with the capital base they have, and the reason lots of banks are trading at a discount to their to their price to book at the moment is because they're not achieving a return higher than their cost of cost of capital. So that'll be a key component of what the valuation of, of AIB will be, as well as comparing it with other peers ar- around the world. So yeah. um, I think it will be. Don't you, that's not to sound negative. I think AIB as a pure play on the Irish economy. Let's not forget Ireland is an oasis right now in terms of this, this global uh, uh, doom and gloom that's around us every day. I mean, Ireland is definitely standing out and from for global investors in terms of our GDP growth story, in terms of the earnings growth profile of Irish companies, in terms of the management quality of, of many Irish companies. So, AIB is lucky to be in that in in that in that situation, as long as Ireland remains uh, an o- that oasis, uh, which which is obviously dependent on yeah. the world economy staying up there. Joe, there is another potential fly in the ointment, isn't there? And that's the general election result, because the outgoing government, Fine Gael and Labour, had a big majority, and Michael Noonan's made no secret of the fact that he'd like to bring it uh, to market this year if he can. Uh, his preference would be for the autumn, um, and I don't think Labour are, uh, would object to that. However, all the polls and the pundits are telling us that those two parties could fall 10 or 12 seats short of a majority, which really puts the whole thing up in the air, doesn't it? Well, we live in a democracy, first of all, so I guess the people will just have to vote whatever they want to vote in, and then the parties that end up on the other side of that process have to decide what type of a government they can or cannot put together. Um, What's interesting to me at the moment is what's happening in Portugal, because they've gone through a number of... uh, 
um, convulsions politically since the election, uh, which is only in the last three or four months, and they have struggled to put together a government. Now, the net result of all that is Portuguese sovereign bond yields have started to balloon over the last couple of weeks. What are they at now? Um, well, they're at a material premium to where the Irish bond uh, rate is at. So, I mean, the Irish government has been issuing bonds here close to 1% uh, in terms of cost. Uh, there's a multiple uh, of that on Portuguese bonds today. Uh, so that's a real tangible uh, effect of a, a kind of a dysfunctional parliament, which is the case in Portugal right now. And the net result of that is that the Portuguese taxpayer, if they want to borrow money internationally to pay for everyday government services, have to pay a multiple of what the Irish state is paying for its bonds. So what everyone will be watching is how that unfolds over the next number of weeks and months, because if we end up with whatever parties are involved, a stable government that seem to be able to be stable over the next number of years, then that would be very positive for bond yields. And that helps to not just price Irish government debt, but would also probably be relevant to pricing something like AIB. Whereas if you have some sort of a fractured uh, political process where they cannot form a government, then it will make it difficult for the bond market in particular. Yeah. Noel, are your investors around the world, are they raising uh, this concern with you about the general election result? Is it a real tangible concern for them in terms of how the place is going to be governed? Yeah, we've been getting questions for the last six months in terms of Ireland. Uh, people look at the polls. I mean, global investors look look everywhere. Um, so, I mean, uh, people like certainty. So to the extent that we end up with uncertainty or a hung parliament, that is certainly not a positive. Um, people like Ireland the way it's been for the last couple of years because it's a pragmatic place to do business. It's transparent. It's got good governance. Um, so I think anything that would be seen to undermine that or anything that would be seen to maybe come back to some of the excesses of the past, you know, if governments give away, give away too much, or the cost base goes too high, or I mean, the 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 big issue that we get asked about is 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 well, tax cuts for the individual, but also corporate taxes. I mean, corporate taxes is a big focus for Ireland as a place to invest in, and I think Joe's absolutely right. If the market will probably firstly manifest any concerns by put, by putting a risk premium into the bond yields. That's the easiest way to punish Ireland is to is to make the cost of our debt higher. And the corresponding bit from the equity market side would tend to be that the, the, the stock market will end up with people selling it rather than buying it. Uh, I think we need to go into a pretty dramatic change, uh, you know, away from the, the type of politics we've had for that to happen. But that is, that is the risk on, on that side. The other risk to Ireland is obviously Brexit as we go through the next six months, which is another discussion. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of how the numbers might shake out, and I, I, I'm not pinning you guys as political experts, but I mean, if, if Fianna Gael and Labour are 10 or 12 seats short, that's a lot of independents or a lot of small parties to have to rely on. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do we square the circle? Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, even if they were to coalesce, wouldn't have the numbers between them, and neither of them seems to want to go into government with Fianna Gael. But it's it's like pub talk, you know, like, I mean, doesn't it, we can count numbers any which way you want, but the, the facts are you're either going to have uh, some form of stable government with uh, two parties plus a number of independents, or, or you're not. And, and uh, if we're short in terms of a number of independents, can enough of them be convinced to support a... Uh, a government strategy and a government plan for the next five years. Like it, it's 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 important, I think, for everybody um, that there is a sense of stability around uh, the political system. Because uh, if you look at what's happened over the last number of years, there's been a series of very tough decisions that, at the time they were taken, 
were quite painful and were very painful politically and painful from a media point of view. But when you look at the results, and the net result I always look to in terms of the pounds, shillings and pence in the back of everyone's pocket is, what is it costing us to fund our country? And at the end of the day, we have a net large amount of national debt. And if it's costing us 1% instead of 10%, we're talking about hundreds of millions of euros of cost each year that we save or don't save. So it boils down to that. And if we end up with whatever... Uh, political system comes out of the election uh, that leads to um, uncertainty and concern that pushes those bond yields out. For me, that's a very poor outcome. Full stop. All right. Just going back to AIB, no, what's your what's your sense? Uh, will this happen this year or not? Yeah, my sense is that it will happen. Yeah, I think you know, given my outlook on the world is is more that the fundamentals is way better than the current sentiment would would lead you this to is globally believe. Globally, Ireland. Globally, but Ireland's part of that, so we're all in, all in the global equity market. So. Uh, assuming that that you know some of the leading indicators and some of the fund you know that the earning, company earnings over the next two two three six months come through as expected, that the U.S. economy doesn't go into a recession. I think Yellen's made comments today to give to give the markets calm. That you know once again the central banks are on the job. So I think we'll get calm through the year again, um, and by the, the the autumn of the year, I think you know the conditions in markets will be favorable again to 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 investment i mean ultimately if you're a saver or an investor in this in this environment you know if you go back to your questions about planning for retirement putting money in the bank right now at 0% return is not going to ma- allow you retire it at the age you desire to retire it so you do need to take on risk assets and equities are risk assets um and risk means they go up and down but over the mm. longer term um they go up more than they, they you know they increase in value over the longer term so i think aib properly priced uh would be viable in the autumn of this year and have you any sense of how long we're going to have to hold these bank shares before we get our money back this we, is not just AIB, but permanently is being Bank of Ireland as well. We, we the public, or we, we the taxpayers. Yeah, we, we the taxpayers. The well, you know, I think, I think uh, in many cases that the, the, the banks themselves would say you've already got your money back, particularly in the case of AIB and Bank of Ireland. Uh, they would claim they've repaid the state. Well, um, I think Bank of Ireland would. I don't yeah. think AIB. Yeah. Uh, well, AIB, well, I it depends deluded, on what price. Uh, yeah, yeah, to, to suggest that AIB is, is well, absolutely. It will, back. It'll depend on what price they put it away at, and then yeah. you have another 75% to, to, to sell out over the next number of years to get back the rest. So but are we looking 20 at 10, 12 years, do you think? Or? It depends on, uh, it depends, yeah, it could be. I mean, it depends on the number of years of returns. It depends on the profitability of the bank over the next five years. It's a very interesting uh, Judgment call as to how we extract value from these banks, because um, if I look at it and I think if I have confidence in the Irish economy for the next 10 years and if it's a stable environment, I would expect that the banking assets in that economy will continue to increase in value. So if they're going to increase in value, uh, why would I sell everything I own today if I could? I'm not saying you could, but why would I? So um, I would have thought uh, a phased process over a number of years is an optimal way for the uh, Irish taxpayer to extract optimum value from these uh, shares, while at the same time giving those businesses, whether it's Bank of Ireland or PTSB or AIB, the room to manoeuvre to build their own businesses up. Because if those banks don't function normally in the Irish economy, then the Irish economy is going to struggle to perform. So it's a kind of a circular argument, but Mm. uh, ultimately... uh, I think we should be patient with them rather than rushing for the door. Sure, but is it realistic to expect that we'll get all of our money back from those three? I know the Anglo money's gone, the nationwide money's gone, particularly when George Osborne has, has said that the UK taxpayer is unlikely to get all of its money back on RBS. Who wants to take that one? 
Yeah, I think it's unlikely you're going to get all your money back. I mean, we've put in 70 billion, I think is the figure I read. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, a lot of that is obviously from Anglo-Irish Bank. Uh, so let's say half it's gone. That's It's never going to come back. The other 30 billion relates to the three banks that are still there, Bank of Ireland, AIB, Permanent TSB. Yeah. Um, is it realistic? And Michael Noonan has said it on a number of occasions that we will get all our, all of our money back from those three. Well, you know, as an investor, I suppose it's going to take a long time. I mean, you, you know, you might get all your money back, but how long? We who's going to be around to remember whether you got all your money back or not? I think I think it's going to take a long time. I think um, I agree with Joe in terms of patiently uh, selling the stock into the market. The other side of that is you're going to get people like us as equity investors on behalf of our clients saying that's all fine, but there's an overhang all the time in terms of the market, in terms of capping the, the upside in the stock. And at the other side, I think we will be looking for dividends as equity investors. So that's the other part of this balance. Um, so I think it's a balance. I think, I think it all depends on how quickly the bank can return to profitability, how quickly the economy grows, um, and how much the regulators allow the banks grow. Um, because the other side of the Minister for Finance or any Minister for Finance is you have, you know, the regulators mm. are now based in Frankfurt. So mm. the Minister for Finance can really say anything he likes. But the real regulation for AIB is happening in Frankfurt right now. And they're the guys who are ultimately going to decide how much profits and how quickly they can ro- grow their, their balance sheet and their loan book. Uh, and I think that's something that's outside the Minister's control. Joe, we got all our money back from those three banks? Well, it, 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 there's a time value of money. Like the, We got all our money back from the Germans for the money they got for World War One there about two years ago. Yeah. So technically you get all your money back, but in real terms, what's that actually worth? So um, you, you can't just, yeah, well, we got all our money back. Yeah, we can get all our money back if you want to hang around long enough to get it back, if that's your only concern. But there's other issues here, which is, uh, do you want to provide more capital for the banks to go forward? Um, you know, they will need over the next five to ten years, I suspect, incremental capital because they're going to grow their, their loan books in order to support the enterprises they face off with, which largely are in the Irish economy. So we as taxpayers and we as uh, voters would hope that they would be encouraged on that road. So that's in the equation about calculating, do you get all your money back today or do you get it all back over the next ten years? Yeah, and we're not sure anybody, any investors would believe governments are the best owners or runners of banks. So... Um, and if that is the case, I think you'll get a you'll get a, a discount on the price as long as the government has a significant influence in there, which George Osborne is probably learning. Um, so ultimately, you have to bite the bite the bullet at some point in time and maybe give up a bit on the price and, and get the stock into the market. That would be my view. Okay, that's it from this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to Noel Halloran and to Joe Gill, Declan Conlon, produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times Business on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.